welcome back to another episode of Stumpcast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I am one of your hosts, Seth Bidoff, and coming up on this week's show, the USL finally weighs in on the Phoenix situation, the playoffs are set, and San Antonio is who's next. This is episode number 18 of our show, and we want to thank everyone for their continued support of what we do here. We wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be here without you guys and your support that you show us each and every week, whether it's downloading the podcast and listening to that or being here on Twitch, which has been part of our growth. The the show was doing so well. We wanted to bring you guys another opportunity to interact with the show, be a part of it, get your questions, comments, all that in uh, for Jacob, Earl, and myself. And we would love to have you guys here in the chat with us each and every week and talking with you guys, discussing New Mexico United, discussing the USL, discussing sports really at large because we do sometimes get off on tangents. And by being here in the Twitch chat, you guys can get your questions onto the live episode, onto the podcast every single week. Uh, Before we get into our full-on discussion this week, I do want to take a minute to remind everyone that Jacob and I do have written content over on our website, dadventuresmedia.com. Over there, Jacob and I do pre- and post-match coverage of each and every New Mexico United match. We also have a blog about our lives as dads, and we sometimes talk about video games over there. All right. With all the housekeeping out of the way, I want to bring in my two co-hosts, Jacob Terrell and Earl Nieto. Guys, it's been – it really has only been a few nights since we actually last talked, but I do have one question for you guys the Major League Baseball playoffs have started. The, we're now in the divisional series for both leagues. Earl's shrugging the shoulders. I don't know if Earl, Earl really cares about this. I'm wearing my, one of my Braves shirts here. The Braves, of course, won today. Who is going to win the World Series? Well, if you were to ask me a couple weeks ago, I would have went with my team, which would have been the Cubs. Um, now I would probably have to say, unfortunately, probably the Astros. Cheaters. I mean, unfortunately, I mean, you got to go for the hometown kid, Alex Bregman. I mean, that that's all I have for that. I mean, my, my, my Cubs are out, so my baseball got turned off. That is true. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Alex Bregman from the Houston Astros is, of course, a native of New Mexico. Uh, and uh, he's really big in the community here, especially building up you know uh, youth baseball leagues and helping out with that. So, um, I mean, no ill will towards Alex Bregman, but the Astros are cheaters, and I want to see them lose. I am a Rockies fan, so it was a awesome first 15 games and then an atrocious uh, last was at 45 games by 15. You mean minutes? No, there for a while we were like the first 15 games. We were like, I was enjoying watching them. We were pitching. Well, we were hitting it was awesome. And then the wheels just completely fell off. So, and you can't talk the last time we played you in a playoff game, we beat you. So I hush, mean, <laughs> hush, hush. <laughs> so I, my only feeling is uh, anybody but the Dodgers, and I'm good. Anybody, anybody but the Dodgers. Okay. All right. Anybody but the Dodgers. That. So, I, like I said, I, of course, am a Braves fan. So, my Braves can't come back, win the day, beat up on the Marlins a little bit, 9-5. to five. You know, we swept the Reds at a 23, I believe it was 23-inning scoreless streak going that we kept our opponents to so far in the postseason, the longest ever in Major League Baseball history. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. just set another record today. Youngest player to ever homer in a leadoff at bat in the divisional series. (laughs) (laughs) 
So, uh, you know, it's going to be tough, but I mean, the Braves are my pick. We got, we got, uh, the 2020 NL MVP, Freddie Freeman on the squad. We got Ronald Acuna. We got some great pitching. Uh, I think we're, I think we can go far. I think it's going to be a good year for us. Back up, back up. Freddie Freeman is the, this year's MVP. He should be. He absolutely really? should be. Yeah. So he, he's in the top two or three of the national league in like all of the major batting categories. So I wasn't, I wasn't like disputing it. I just, you threw that name out there and I know the name, but I was like, he, I, I didn't know he had such a good year. So I, oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Like his stats have been absolutely incredible. Like, uh, at last, I think at the end of the regular season, he was like first in OPS, second in slugging, uh, like third in third or fourth in homers, uh, second in RBIs. Yeah, he's just had Freddie's had an incredible year. He's like first or second in the league in doubles. Huh. Yeah, it's been absolutely incredible. Uh, the only, I mean, honestly, like you could put you could throw like in the MVP race, you could put Marcelo Zuna in there, who's also you know who's the Braves' DH, and then probably like uh, Tatis in there. But honestly, like that's my pick for MVP. You think Tatis is going to do it? Yeah. I mean, if you watch him go on that tear for the first, what, eight or nine games, just homer after homer after homer. I mean. Yeah. I watched one of my favorite movies uh, last night. It was Remember the Titan. Remember the Titans. (laughs) And there's a quote in there where the two little girls are talking and one of the little girls looks at the other one and says, I do not care. <laughs> and uh, with baseball this season, for whatever reason, that's just that's just where I'm at. Like, I'll keep track of scores. Other than that, I'm like, okay, yeah. it's It was weird because I thought the shortened season would make it more interesting to me. And it did for a while until my team just completely started to suck. Until they went to the second inning? Yeah, and then it's like, okay, well, whatever. I, I don't care anymore. So, my honest answer is I think it will come out of the NL and I think it'll probably be the Braves or the Padres would be my guess. So I'm assuming that those two will meet up in the uh, national championship and whoever makes it out of that will go on to win the world series. That's a bold pick. there, taking the Padres over the Dodgers. That's a bold pick right there. It's the playoffs and it's the Dodgers. So they usually choke after four. I, I don't feel like, I mean, I understand that it's an upset. I understand that it's quote unquote bold, but at the same time, the Padres were really good over the last half of the year. And the Dodgers were really good all season, but they are the Dodgers and it's the playoffs. And at some point or another, they're going to shoot themselves in the foot and I just looked at the score. So far, it's one nothing Padres in the bottom of the fifth. Um, I'm hoping that holds up because if you win game one, then I look smart at least a little bit for now. So, <laughs> you know, the Padres may have played well in the season, but you know, so did the Reds. The, the Reds have won like 11 of their final 15 games or something like that to uh, they grab one of those playoff spots. And look what happened to them: shut out for 20, 22, 23 consecutive innings. So, yeah, anything can happen, you know. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is in the playoffs. I mean, the Braves won their first playoff series since 2001 uh, against the Reds. So it's uh, it's been a long time coming. But it's going to be interesting to see. It's been a real, like, absolute sprint of a season. Um, I can't wait to see it. And I think no matter what happens, 
this is going to be one of the few years that I actually continue to watch and and uh, pay attention to the World Series, even if the Braves don't make it. See, I would do that, except for you have basketball, football, and then what's taking up the majority of my time is soccer, man. Like, I my wife will only allow me to watch sports a certain amount of hours on the weekend, and when I'm getting up at 5 o'clock in the morning to watch Everton and Liverpool this next or on the 17th, then I'm not going to have time to watch a five-hour baseball game that evening. Uh, it's just too much time away from the family, and I'll get yelled at. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the downsides of having you know wife and kids is that you know the the time is limited. Like we you know, before wife and kids, like it was absolutely sit around watch uh, on the weekends. You know, wake up, watch college game day, and watch football on like three different TV screens from the time you wake up until you know two o'clock in the morning if you watch all the West Coast games. So. Yeah, you definitely have to budget your time out and pick and choose the uh, the events that you want to watch. So, see, unfortunately for me, my wife hates sports, so weekends are pretty much a no go, and we're we're always on the go. Yeah, I feel that. I wait till you have kids, and then then it's like, okay, um, I have to. The only I think what I like about the Premier League is that, and the Bundesliga is that I can watch the game at five or seven o'clock in the morning on Saturday or in Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then the kids are like just now starting their day when it ends. So, and as, and my wife for that matter. So it's not, <laughs> uh, taking away all kinds of time from them. It's taking away maybe an hour in the morning that they would normally actually want me around. So it, um, that's been better, but at the same time, the, the local sports here that play in the evening have kind of taken a hit other than United, of course. And also that's one of the things I have to apply, like the premier league and the Bundesliga four is their TV deals. Now I know people complain about, you know, Bundesliga being behind ESPN plus paywall. People complain about Premier League being on uh peacock for some of the matches. I mean, four or $5 a month, whatever, you know, people shut up about it. It's not a big deal, but the availability of matches for replay after the fact, like Bundesliga, USL, MLS, anything that's on ESPN Plus, you can go back and watch immediately after the fact. And they stay up there for a while. I don't know exactly how long, but they stay up there for a while. And even the Premier League matches, like uh, this past weekend's uh, Everton match was on like NBCSN. So Ooh. even though I have uh, Everton, uh, who the, yeah. Everton. <laughs> hey, hey. That is the top of the Premier League table right now, sir. You better Show put some respect on their that. name. There you go. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the match was on uh, NBCSN, and so I couldn't watch it even though I have Peacock. But it was fine because I could go in, like, the next day, throw it up on Peacock, and watch it. And it's available yeah. for, like, 30 days after the match. So there's options out there, which is great because if you look at, like, MLB or NFL, they don't have those options, at least not that I know of. Like, I've never, I've never had, like, NFL Network or anything like that. So if you have MLB TV, uh, you could watch because I could still watch the Cubs win the World Series and pretend like it was yesterday, <laughs> which is a true story. Such a sad statement that I'm just not going to address it, my friend. <laughs> and for for NFL, you get Sunday if you get Sunday ticket, you can try to watch ten games at the same time at eleven o'clock here in New Mexico. But you can't rewatch anything after that. Yeah. And there's other packages that you can get that offer you the ability to watch 
games after the fact, but it's way more expensive. Like, like you said, $20 for Peacock or $10 for Peacock plus ES- and ESPN plus combined. And you get all of the matches, all of them available the right after the match is over to watch again or to watch for the first time. If you missed it live, you can't beat it. And I, I personally love it. Yeah, they're great services. Obviously, we're not sponsored by either of them. So, uh, you know, ESPN or uh, Peacock, if you're listening, we'll gladly take a sponsorship. Uh, <laughs> we do appreciate your products. So, uh, all right, guys, that's enough BS. Let's get into our topics this week. Um, first and foremost, I know it's been a major topic around the USL this week. Today, it came out that the USL championship has, of course, suspended Junior Flemings from Phoenix Rising for, uh, I believe it's six matches. Yes. Six game, six match suspension and an undisclosed fine for the use of foul and abusive language in the form of a homophobic slur during the club's match against San Diego Loyal on September 30th. Per the player's contract, Flemings could also be subject to additional discipline from Phoenix Rising and remains on administrative leave. Now, I don't know if you guys saw the response to this from Phoenix Rising, but they are going to keep him on their roster at least in, for the duration of, of his contract, which lasts through the end of November. Phoenix still sucks. Thank you, Earl. Absolutely. So I'm, there was some discussion on social media, I don't know if you guys saw it or not, about whether or not the USL punishments meet the same uh, punishment guidelines as FIFA. Now, according in one screenshot that I saw, the FIFA guidelines state a minimum 10-match ban. Now... Two weeks ago when uh, Omar uh, Oliveros used his racial slur against San Diego, he, of course, received the same suspension as Junior Flemings. Now, I will you know, I will say that at least the USL has been consistent in their punishments when it comes to this. Um, do we think that this, that this is an appropriate length for these types of suspensions? And to follow up on that, do you feel like Phoenix Rising keeping – Flemings on their roster is the right move for the club. Well, I think the the length of the suspension, I'm I'm fine with. I mean, they sure they could have come out and said ten matches, twenty matches, whatever. Um, uh, all that it means is that he's done for the rest of the year, and then probably will not be back on a USL club next year. Uh, I would assume. Um, which I don't think he was going to be back in a USL club next year anyways, seeing as Phoenix seems to be the one that moves them upward and onward. Um, and I'm sure that's why he was there. So the length of it, it, like you said, it's consistent with what they did the week before. It's I feel like it's pretty heavy. Um, heavy enough anyways. And then as for keeping him on the roster, if they're doing it for what it seems like they're doing it, for the reasons they seem like they're doing it, which is just like with Rick Chance, um, and then they had announced that they teamed up with San Diego Loyal to um, teach people about that issue and everything like that. And and if that's why they're doing it, and it is to give him ways to learn from it and grow from it, then I'm all for it. And as far as I can tell, that's really the only reason why they would do it. Like, I don't see a benefit in keeping him on the roster for another two months just because. So I, I'm okay with it. I feel like 
it was handled appropriately. Uh, it was handled like things should be handled, which is an allegation comes out, you get put on leave, you get taken out of a situation where you can't do it again for the duration of the investigation. They do a proper investigation, and then they punish based on their findings, um, as opposed to punishing based on public outcry. So I feel like they handled it just fine. I feel like the crime, especially since it links up with or matches up with what just happened with Los Dos. Um, and then as far as leaving him on the roster, I could, I can see where people would be upset by that. But like I said, if, if, if the only reason why I can see that they do that is to help him grow or try to grow, then, then I'm fine with it. So I'm in the same boat. I mean, the punishment length, the six weeks or six match ban, that's perfectly fine. Because if you go any further into that, you start getting to the point of, well, what did I do wrong this season? Why should I punish this season for something I did wrong last season? Um, So, yeah, I, I get the six ban, the six game ban. Um, And the reason why I did hold up my sign that Phoenix still sucks is why did it take the USL to to hand down the fine or hand down the suspension. Why wouldn't the team come out and say, hey, look, we're going to separate you immediately. You're done for the rest of the season. This way the USL doesn't have to be big brother or play the daddy role and punish them and make the club look silly. Not that they aren't silly anyways, but that's my own personal opinion. I'm not one to defend Phoenix Rising ever. Um, You know, I I think putting... both Flemings and uh, Chance on administrative leave as soon as it happened was the right move. Uh, you know, and they say that was going to be until, uh, until a decision was reached basically until the investigation was complete, they would be on administrative leave. Part of the problem here, as far as why they didn't like immediately remove him for the rest of the season was the fact that he came out and said, no, I did not say this per Jeff Reuter on Twitter. And I'm sure in my other social media places, the USL interviewed 11 different members of staff and players from both clubs. And it must have come back overwhelmingly that Fleming's did this. Now, since this has happened, Fleming's social media account on Twitter has disappeared. It's completely gone away. He had initially just deleted the tweet where he claimed he didn't do it. Uh, then his account was de- completely deleted. So I think, like I said, I think their decision to, to do administrative leave initially is, is okay and just say until the, until the investigation is complete. I mean, you don't want to suspend your own player for the rest of the season if it turns out to be false, you know? So I get that part of it. I don't understand from a higher level why did it take USL a week to do this? That to me, like if you're, if you're, if you're only interviewing 11 people, that's something that could have been done next day, two days, really, you know, depending on how long those take, maybe a half hour interview for each folk, each person that I would think you know, an hour at most. And then the other issue is that you've got chance coming out and the video is clearly there of, of chance saying things that really aren't okay. Saying it's part of the game. And refusing to take Fleming's off, refusing to to do all of that. So I think there's a bigger issue there than than what people are making out. Because as of right now, uh, as far as I know, Chance is still on administrative leave, and there was there was room in their initial statement 
for more punishment to be handed out, but nothing's been said so far. So yeah, like I, said, I, I get why they went the route they did initially, but now that it's there, like I just, I, and I can understand even if they cut him from the roster, I could understand if they want to try to help him. But you know, we saw Los Dos immediately cut their player once it can't once that was confirmed. So I mean, we talked about it last week. You know, is is Phoenix Rising keeping him? Them excusing it? Are they saying, "Oh well, yes, he made this mistake, but we're keeping him on the roster anyway"? I don't know. I don't look at it that way at all. I as somebody who was a coach and who cares about the players that are on his team. Um, we had an incident where uh, we showed up at the gym. There was a couple kids playing in the gym that weren't on the team, and they had their stuff on the bench. And one of the kids grabbed the other one of the one of my players grabbed one of the wallets from the kids that were already in the gym. And we could have easily gone to the school and been like, "Hey, this happened. Um, I don't want him on the team anymore." But instead, we set him down. We talked about it. And I get that this is a middle school boys basketball team compared to a grown adult that um, said something badly or said something wrong. But, you know, I care about... I'm sure that they care about their players on any level. I'm sure if you ask Troy or Rick Shantz or anything about the players, they care about them and they want to see them do better, um, both on the field and off. So I don't think it, it shows... Loyalty to the player in the sense of, hey, we want you to be better. We're going to help you be better. Um, stay with us and we'll work through that. And then you get to the end of your contract and you can go, go do whatever you want to do. Um, I I hate the idea of cutting somebody and letting them go somewhere else, especially as somebody of Junior Fleming's talent. If they were to cut him, you know he's going to play somewhere next year. So. It's not punishment. It's not any more punishment for them to cut them, to cut him, rather than let him, rather than let him stay on the roster for the two months and and be a part of the team during the playoffs, just not play. So I, but I know that I also am in the minority on a lot of that um, with what is going on here, and a lot of people are calling for both Junior and Rick's heads on a stake. So. I don't see the point in cutting them when you could try to help them out. That's that's all. I'm actually the opposite, complete opposite of what you just said. Um, I'm actually okay if Phoenix Rising were to cut Junior Flemings. I'm on the fence still if they were to cut Coach Shantz or Rick Shantz, whatever his name is. Um, only because he did come out today and he did do that whole statement of him, pretty much him apologizing and partnering and taking counseling courses and pretty much remediating what he did wrong by him saying it's part of the game. Yeah, that's wrong. Cause obviously there's quote unquote, no room for that in the, in the game of soccer itself. So I'm okay with them letting him carry on his duties as head coach. Um, but the fact that we haven't heard anything from junior Flemings, even now that his suspension has been handed down, I mean, if he were truly sorry, quote unquote sorry, wouldn't you create a Facebook page or Twitter handle or Twitch stream to hop on there and say, "Hey, look, I apologize." 
I mean, yes, to an extent, but from my understanding, and look, what he did was wrong. I'm not trying to defend that whatsoever. I'm not. But at the same time, in today's day and age, you do something wrong like that once and you start getting death threats to your social media and you start getting people that just hate you no matter what you do. He could have come out right away and said, I'm sorry. People were slamming Rick still or Coach Chance over his thing that he put out still. He, he come out. He said he was sorry. He said he acknowledged what he did was wrong. He said he wants to work on it. He said, and yeah, so you might say that he didn't mean it, but you don't know that. You don't know his heart. You don't know what's going on there. So, yes, I would like to see Junior come out with a statement saying, I'm sorry, I acknowledge it, and stuff like that. But at this point, it's not going to do him any good in the social or in the public's eyes for the most part. There'll be some of us that'll be like, oh, okay, yeah, that seems sincere. Or some of us that say, I don't know if that was very sincere, but I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and, and see what happens. But the overwhelming majority of people that have responded to Rick Shantz's page or statement, as well as the suspension are still calling for more. It's the today's cancel culture in general and while yes, people do bad things and they should be punished, they shouldn't be freaking strung up for the whole world to mock, even if they're really trying to fix themselves. Because there's no way for me or you or everybody on Twitter or everybody at San Diego Loyal to know exactly what's going through his heart right now. And he can come out and say whatever he wants to say and people will dismiss it because they already think he's a piece of crap and he very well might be i don't know i don't know the guy but i'm not going to reserve my judgment for him saying he's a piece of crap if i don't know him and chances are i'm never going to get to know him so i'm not going to sweat it i don't really care and the people calling for his cancellation were they the people on the mexican united nation that you were arm wrestling with this morning <laughs> that's some of them i mean but i was on twitter earlier too and it's the same thing like they Rick Shantz put out his statement and the replies on it were freaking toxic. Right. Like, which I read his statement. I 100% agree that his statement was sincere. I mean, I wholeheartedly feel it was sincere. Yeah. And I can understand if you don't feel that way, but just because you don't feel like it's sincere, doesn't mean that you know for sure, or that you can tell exactly how he's feeling right now. Um, because I read it too, and as as somebody who's, you know, I uh, I've played sports my whole life. Things have been said to me that were not appropriate. I have said things that were not appropriate. I feel bad about them looking back, but you get caught up in the heat of the moment, which is exactly what he said. So I could see him just coming to the defense of his guy mm-hmm. and saying, "Whoa, calm down, well, like whatever." It so and. The fact that he noticed that he took took the time to realize that he was caught up in the heat of the moment and he calmed down and then he realized what he said was wrong and why people want his head on a silver platter and wants to change that according to the statement, then I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and see what happens. I've always kind of thought the guy was just sketchy anyways in the two years that we've dealt with him as the coach of Phoenix, but maybe he turns a corner. Who knows? So just by reading that statement today, um, yeah, Phoenix is 
a rival of the club that I support. But there's a point in time where you put club behind humanity. I mean, yeah, just because we sit here with United flags behind us, we all have United flags hanging on our walls, um, doesn't mean that you have to go to bat for United every single time. I mean, yeah, like I said, there's a point where you put the club behind you and actually look at what's decent in the world instead of getting blinded by a sport. Yeah, it's a sport that we all love, but you're getting blinded by a sport for a club. Yeah, I'm not even sure how much of that is happening. I just think it's cancel culture in general is what has been the major driving force for for everything Phoenix related. I think it I think if you're a United fan, honestly if you're a USL fan because I think Phoenix is probably the most hated club altogether just because of how they play and and the success that they've had and the attitude that they have and everything like that. So I don't think it's just United fans. I think that if if this was, you know, Tacoma or to use somebody that's not affiliated with a an MLS team, somebody like Oklahoma City, um, I don't know if they'd get this much hate. Um, but I can guarantee you they'd be still getting some and it would still annoy me even though it wasn't Phoenix. So that's just kind of my piece about it is that, you know, we, these guys, if they mess up because everybody's messed up, you deserve a chance to see that blemish in yourself and try to correct it. Now, if chance comes out next or this weekend against Sacramento and something happens and he does something stupid again, then, then, all right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see it. Um, I could see wanting his head on a silver platter, because he obviously didn't learn a week later, but I, I just don't understand the the hatred for people make like there's no empathy whatsoever to the people that make mistakes and want them to be fixed or and, and want the mistake to be made inside themselves to be fixed. So I just want to see them given a chance. Junior, what if he comes out with a statement? Fine. If he doesn't. I'm not going to be all up in arms about it. And cause if he wants to be that crappy person, then that's his right. Just let him be that crappy person. And then if he doesn't get a chance to play soccer again, he'll learn. That's the way it works. Right. Which I don't think he won't play soccer again. I do see him moving up to a higher level such as MLS or something overseas, maybe European league two or something out there. Um, I don't see him in the USL next season, especially after all this fiasco. But I do see him moving up to an MLS squad or, like I said, somewhere overseas. I could see him going to, like, a Indian Super League, like Kevon did or something like that. I don't think I'll see. I don't think we'll see him in the MLS um, because they are also very much on this same cancel culture kick. Um, and in some cases like this one, I think it's right that he doesn't get a chance um, with the MLS because that would be deemed as moving up, even though you did something stupid. But I could see him going overseas for for something like that and and trying to 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 distance himself from the incident, both both in time and physical proximity from where it happened. No matter how we look at it, it's not a good, it wasn't a good situation. I think we can all agree that USL did what they had to do. 
as far as investigating and then coming down with a decision as far as the suspension goes. That's in line with what they've done in the past. Mm-hmm. Now, we can, it sounds like we're not, we're all kind of disagreeing to an extent as to what Rising needs to do as far as the contracts of both Flemings and Chance, but ultimately they're going to do what they feel is best for their club. I think that's what it's going to come down to for them. They're going to do what's best for their club. So uh, do you guys have any more thoughts on this topic before we move on? No, we talked way too long about it in the first place. All right. So moving right along, I do want to mention quickly news came out about a 2022 debutante in the USL Queensboro FC. I don't know if you guys saw this today. They revealed their crest today. Uh, I kind of like it. What do you guys think about it? Yeah, I don't hate it. Um, I didn't read much into their story or anything like that, but from what I saw, the feedback on the story was positive. I saw some some White Castle um, remarks based on the crest, but uh, overall, when I first saw it, I thought it was a good-looking crest. I, I like the colors, um, so I I don't really have have too much to say about the the addition to them. I, I I did see a comment where uh, somebody said that they they think it's good that the USL keeps expanding, and I have mixed feelings about that. Um, just because as you add more teams, it dilutes the talent pool, uh, or at least has the possibility to dilute the talent pool. So I'm I'm a little nervous about that. But if you are adding teams with the intention of doing a pro rel or something along those lines or having the three conferences instead of two. So you have like a East, West and central. Um, then I could see that working out. So for the most part, I like what the USL is doing. I trust them to make good decisions. So, so I'm, I'm for it. I saw some Burrow man put it on Facebook. So I had to check it out a little bit. Um, actually just before we want went on air, I was actually watching the hype video, and I'm going to call it a hype video because it got me pretty excited. And I'm not even a Queensboro fan, but it did get me pretty excited how they incorporated the entire city of New York and Queens and pretty much did it that route. So the color scheme, pretty cool. The hype video, it's pretty hype. Um, And to kind of piggyback off of what Jacob was saying, I... I do like the fact of how the USL is expanding. Um, I do feel that as they expand, they need to move more clubs to MLS if they could afford it, obviously. Um, Because exactly like Jacob said, too many teams, there's too many kids playing in the sandbox now. Yeah, there's got to be a stopping point to expansion somewhere. Um, And what that point is, I don't know. Uh, I think ultimately that we will see ProRail, at least within the USL. Whether or not USSF as a whole will implement it, I highly doubt that, just because you know MLS gets their money. Um, uh, what's the New Rock Internet or whatever it's called? The people are like financing it; they get their cut of everything. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a mess as far as that goes. But yeah, USL has been smart about their expansion. They're not. It's not like they're throwing like ten clubs out at once. You know, they're not making what seems to be an, an unsustainable model. It seems to be very sustainable. Uh, with You see very few f- clubs fold uh, other than through mismanagement of the actual clubs, not through an issue with the league itself. So I think it's I think it's a positive. It'll be another, you know, it's another good sign going forward. Uh, of course, another East Coast club. 
So they will, of course, be in the Eastern Conference, and the only time that we will likely see them is in the finals when we get there. So, yeah, I think it's good. The Crets look awesome. Uh, it's always good to see you know new clubs come up, and honestly, I th- I think it's a positive. I don't think it's good. I don't think it dilutes the talent pool. I think what it does is it gives more players the opportunity to showcase their their abilities, and I think especially allows homegrown players, American soccer players, uh, who don't always have the chance to. Uh, to, to get out there on a national stage. Uh, I think it gives more players the opportunity to do that. Yeah, that's that's a good way to look at it. I hadn't quite thought of it that way. So that way, it especially like like you look at New Mexico United and them coming to the league, it's going to give a lot of chances to players from New Mexico that other clubs wouldn't go travel to see and scout. So uh, I'm not sure if... New York is necessarily a market that wouldn't get scouted anyways, but at the same time, um, players slip, slip through the cracks everywhere. Uh, so yeah, that is, that is a statement that, that, uh, I had not looked at. So I appreciate that, that viewpoint there, Seth, that'll, that'll make me kind of rethink a few things, um, with all this expansion. I do think that pro reg needs to happen sooner rather than later. Cause I don't know how you can sustain, a championship level of 40 teams. Uh, it just seems like there's always going to be some that, that falter through that, whether that's, I mean, it, it could be just as simple as sending the two teams down to league one and calling it a day. But that is, that is for another podcast at another time um, where we can, we can tackle those bigger concepts, maybe in the off season, when we don't actually have soccer to talk about. Yeah, that's a great idea. We'll, we'll definitely put that on our list of things to talk about once the season is done. But before we get there, though, we have playoff time. It is time for the playoff, folks. All of the matchups are set. We, of course, do know where New Mexico United is going to be. <laughs> there you go. Playoffs. Uh, all the playoff matches are set. And oddly enough, I found this kind of all of the first, all the quarterfinal matchups are set for the same day on October 10th, both East and Western conference matchups. Um, I also found that kind of odd that they did spread out the times of these matches. Now we'll take a quick look at the Eastern conference. First, you've got Louisville city taking on the Pittsburgh river hounds, the uh, group E one and F two clubs there. That is of course, uh, October 10th at seven 30 PM Eastern time. Real quick, do you, do you have a do you have a pick for that one? Let's pick pick all these ones as we go, except for New Mexico. We can do that. Uh, I got Riverhounds. I'm going to go Riverhounds over Lou City. Earl, do you know enough about the Eastern Conference to chime in there? Not really. All right, so he's going to pick Lou City. Uh, actually, because... I was thinking <laughs> Lou City. Actually, I I think that. Um, it's a shame that we have that game, that match in the first round. Absolutely. It is two teams that were really good all year long and and deserve to make a deeper run in the playoffs. So I I, I don't know. Um, my gut says Pittsburgh, but they didn't even win their group for whatever reason. Uh, Hartford kind of shocked everybody there, and we'll get to them in a minute. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'll just go Pittsburgh. We'll leave it at that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep track of these too, so that we have a, a record of these. Yeah, let's... we'll see. Uh, we'll see how we do here. 
I guarantee you Earl is going to do the best because he doesn't know anything, so he can't actually <laughs> try to guess. Uh, next up on the Eastern Conference, we have, again, uh, October 10th. This one's at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Hartford and St. Louis FC. St. Louis FC, of course, keeping the dream alive, uh, this being their final season in the USL. Uh, Hartford did came, came out of nowhere, picked up a couple wins there at the, towards the end of the season, and surpassed Pittsburgh, who had basically been leading for most of the season over there in, in Group F. Uh, so I'm honestly, this one, it's a toss-up for me. It really is. Hartford's been playing well. St. Louis, not as well. But I think St. Louis has got a little bit of heart in them, a little more heart than Hartford does. Um, they want to keep their season alive. They don't want to. They don't want the club to die out just quite yet. So I'm going St. Louis. Same boat, St. Louis. Only because I like how big their flag is. <laughs> well, I'm gonna make it a clean sweep for St. Louis. Sorry, Hartford fans, but um, uh, I, I doubt Hartford fans listen to this since they're in the Eastern Conference. But you never know. But uh, I yeah I think I think with St. Louis's last year and um, them having so they had to basically play a playoff game already. They played Indy Indy eleven the last Saturday of the season with or maybe it was Sunday. No, I think it was Saturday. Um, and they had to win to get in. If they lost or drew, then Andy got in above them. So that was already a do or die match, and they came out on top there. So. I, I think they'll keep that momentum going and at least live to fight one more weekend. All right. Next up on our slate of matches uh, again, October 10th, 7 PM Eastern time. I'm dubbing this one, the Troy Lassane cup, uh, Charlotte independence versus the Charleston battery. Uh, of course, Troy did coach at both of those clubs. Um, so yes, that that's the reason for the dubbing there. Uh, I like Charleston just because they got, they got yellow and black as their colors. So, I know nothing about these two teams. I'm going Charlotte. <laughs> uh, I think I'll go Charlotte as well. Um, mainly, I heard on either the Three Honest Lads or the Steal Some Time podcast today. I think it was Three Honest Lads. Um, which, if you don't listen to that podcast and you're a USL fan, you should. Um, they're entertaining. It's Mike Watts and Devin Kerr, who you hear announce a lot of these matches um, but it's them uncut and kind of just going off the cuff uh, without being associated with the USL at that particular time. But they had talked to Mike Jeffries, the coach over at Charlotte, um, and said that uh, apparently, I haven't watched because I don't watch Eastern Conference, but Charlotte switched to a 3-4-3, much like United did, and it was in large part due to Troy Lesane's talking to Mike Jeffries about the 3-4-3 and and they kind of made the switch at the same time and both built up on it at the same time. So um, I just like the Charlotte connection there with Lesane And um, yeah, I'm just going to go with them because I don't know anything about either of the club either <laughs> other than what I heard today. So we're just going to go with that. All right. And the final Eastern Conference matchup, Tampa Bay Rowdies versus Birmingham Legion. Uh, I got Tampa Bay. They've been one of the best clubs in the USL over the past uh, two or three years. It, it's hard to find a fault in what they're doing. I mean, they ran away with their group this season, uh, and so yeah, I just I can't I can't bet against Tampa Bay here. Tampa Bay just because yeah. they have a pretty green color. 
I'm going to go with Tampa Bay, um, mainly because of what Earl said, but also or of what Seth said. Sorry, um, but also a little bit because we got uh, Najem and Tanari from them, and I want to thank them for that. And Cody Mizell. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That was a while back or farther back than I was before further back than what I was thinking about. But yeah, the, so, so Tampa Bay, uh, beating Birmingham, Birmingham hasn't been playing well either. They've lost or haven't won in their last six matches. If I'm remembering correctly. So Tampa Bay there. All right. And moving on to the better conference ESPN plus, of course, all these matches on the ESPN plus 10, 10, nine o'clock PM Eastern time, Reno and L and Los Dos. Now, Reno has been very good this year. Of course, we know Ben Bowery is over there. LA Galaxy kind of squeaked in by the uh, by the skin of their teeth, and in large part due to the forfeiture of points from San Diego Loyal. This is this matchup is so one sided. Like I, I feel, I kind of feel bad for for Los Dos even being in this matchup, but it, it's Reno. It, it, it's Reno hands down. I'm the same way. I mean, Reno got the number one seed. Uh, I got Reno. Are you ready for a hot take, guys? Uh-oh. Okay. Here's a hot take. Uh, Reno's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I really, really want to say Los Dos um, just because I want an upset somewhere in here. Um, but like you said, Reno was just – they were the best club. They have the best record in the USL, not just the Western Conference. Um, they, they've beaten – Phoenix, no, did they beat Phoenix or draw with? No, they beat Phoenix. I'm pretty sure. Um, they they had Sacramento in their group. They took care of business most of the time against Sacramento. Uh, sure, they had Portland and Tacoma, um, but at the same time, it's I, I don't think that uh, having those two teams in their group really led to them getting too much of an advantage. They just played really good soccer, and and I watched their game a few of their matches and. Um, they're just an impressive club. So yeah, Reno, Reno for me there. Now to probably one of the, uh, maybe probably the toughest matchup, I believe in the Western conference here, Phoenix rising sucks against Sacramento Republic FC. Now we know that Flemo Flemings is going to be suspended for this match for the duration of the playoffs. Phoenix still has a stacked club. They've got, they still got Asante. They've got, uh, they've got Santi. They've got a number of different guys that can still step up and score for them. However, I believe that Sacramento is going to win this match. Sacramento did finish second in their group. They finished on 30 points, and they played very well throughout the season. And I think they've, of all the teams right now, has the best shot at beating Phoenix in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm that's a, that's a tough one. Um... I'm going to go Sacramento as well. My heart says Sacramento. My head says Phoenix. And my gut says Phoenix. Uh, so because two of those things say Phoenix, um, I, I'm going to go ahead and pick Phoenix here. Although I do think that it, it's it's tough with Phoenix being in this, this position that they're in with the Fleming stuff and and the coach stuff and all that it's, it's, it's tough because I don't know how they're going to respond. Um, cause teams in this situation usually respond one of two ways, obviously. And that is they come together and they fight through the adversity 
um, and they find a way to win, or they just completely fall apart. And with Phoenix, part of me is like they have so much talent, and they have such a good pedigree as far as the Western Conference goes in the playoffs for at least the first round. That that I feel like they would, even if they limped through, they could pull out a victory in extra time or something like that uh, with this match. Uh, but also, if you look at somebody like Santi or Asante, who seem to have demonstrative attitudes when things don't go their way on the pitch, um, I could also see this team just completely crumbling um, with everything that's going on and just want to get out of the spotlight and out of the playoffs altogether and, and get away from it all. So it's tough to say, but I'm going to go with with Phoenix for this one for now, and I and hope that I'm wrong. Are you saying that Solomon Asante and Asante Moar pitch fits when things don't go their way? Uh, yeah. You know, it's you got to really pay attention to them, but you'll notice some bad body language there, just ever so slow, just just a smidge, just a smidge. If you really watch them, um. No, of course we're being sarcastic here. They, they are the most, two of the most whiny players in the USL, um, and and I think Reno has some people on their team that can match them for for being whiny. Um, but they are clearly the whiniest group, at least in the Western Conference. I don't know much about the Eastern Conference, but it, it's bad. So I, now you know what? Screw it. I'm going Sacramento. <laughs> I've, I've changed my dude. I, right. I can't do it. I think they crumble. I think they they just want to get rid of this and and move on. So so Sacramento sweep there. I like you again. I like you again. <laughs> One more quick question. So I think last year we could all agree that Solomon Asante won the gold medal for diving in the USL. Did he defend his title this year? You know he had such a sh- a quiet season. It seems like like everything coming out of Phoenix was. Was Fleming's Dadashov, you know their their keeper and their coach, and I, I I didn't really hear much from him. We only played him the one time, and he really wasn't. He had an, an assist, maybe two assists, but he just didn't feel like a factor in that match. I didn't really see him doing much, but the only thing I saw him doing was was flopping around like Neymar out there. Um, so yeah, I think he did fine defending it. I'm in the same boat. I think he did defend it. Not because he made a name out of himself for flopping this season, but because he didn't make it any better. I mean, yeah, I mean, he was the king of it last year by a country mile. So he would have had to drop way down for somebody to pass him. And and that didn't happen. So he might have dropped down a little bit. He might not have been as bad as the year before, but he didn't drop down enough for anybody to take it from him. He definitely didn't help his case. That's for sure. Exactly. It's funny. I'm, I'm looking at Solomon Asante's stats now, and we know how we all know how good he was last year. You know, Golden Boot leader. Um, I mean, this season he just six goals, nine, 42 chances created. I mean, he just he got overshadowed by two guys who posted double digits in goals. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the team leader in assists, team leader in chances created. So it's not like he was absent at all. I mean. He only played in 14 of 16 matches, but in a 16-game season, that's an impressive stat line. It really is. And and I don't know if it was just because of Flemings and Dadashoff over there. 
pulling up the goal sheet or what it was, but he just, nobody talked about him and he probably was their best player still. Um, I mean, everybody's going to say Flemings, but on the offensive side of the ball, he was probably their best player. I don't like him because he doesn't give you anything on defense, mm-hmm. like at all, at all, at all. And to me, having him and Santi on either side just makes me wonder why they don't give up six goals a game because we saw Santi not do anything on defense either. And it puts pressure on their back line and their keeper, but they, apparently they have the back line and the keeper that can make up for two wings that just don't play any defense. Are we talking about Asante or LeBron James? <laughs> <laughs> I think they're interchangeable at this point. It's like a side difference. Oh, I would love to see them stand beside each other. My favorite thing in the world are pictures of like Earl Boykin standing next to Shaq where it's just like a complete mismatch of height. So yeah, that's enough about Phoenix. So I, I Phoenix sucks. We established this. <laughs> All right. Moving right along. Uh, again, October 10th, 930 PM Eastern time. El Paso locomotive against Tulsa F's or FC Tulsa. I should say, I'm sorry. Um, we all know what El Paso did this year. FC Tulsa quietly put together a actually pretty good year. They did finish second in their group, and they f- did finish unbeaten in their final five with a, a three-match win streak going into the playoffs. Yeah, FC Tulsa has played pretty well, and then El Paso Locomotive, of course, also unbeaten in their last five matches. So they've both been playing well of late. Who do you think gets the edge in this one? My heart is saying El Paso. My mind is saying El Paso, but I hate El Paso, so I'm going for the upset, going to FC Tulsa. I understand the pick. Uh, I understand wanting to go against it, but so personally, I want to knock El Paso out. I want to play them in the playoffs. We haven't played one of our rivals in the playoffs yet, and... um, I want that because I want the joy of seeing New Mexico United celebrate and Omar Salgado and Yuma cry um, with their stupid punchable faces um, at the same time. I also think that, so you could almost do this with any division, but if you look at that division or group, whatever you want to call it, uh, that that um, Tulsa came out of, you had an Austin squad that was middling at best. You had Oklahoma City that was one of the worst five clubs in the USL, probably. And you had RGV, another top or bottom five club in the USL. Um, now, I did not look it up for Tulsa. I, I have San Antonio's breakdown of how they got points and everything. Um, but I didn't look it up for Tulsa. But I would be willing to bet that most of their points came against... RGV and RGV or RGV and OKC. I do know that they beat um, San Antonio here late in the season. Um, I know that they beat Austin a couple times that helped him leapfrog over him, but I'm just not impressed with this Tulsa team. And I just, I don't think they have the guns to beat um, really anybody else in the Western conference that made the playoffs. I think in the Western conference, they're the worst team. Uh, I'd even have Los Dos above them. Because if you look at the Los Dos Phoenix group, that group was pretty tough. Um, the bottom of the group was Las Vegas, and they put up fights against. They they beat 
they came back and beat um, Phoenix one match. And so I think that was a better group than any of the other groups in this conference. And because of that, I'd have them over Tulsa. And since Tulsa I have is the worst group in the, or worst team in the playoffs, uh, I got to have El Paso beating him. Earl, you said uh, Tulsa on that one? Yep. So yeah, the one for El Paso, one for Tulsa. Now, one thing that we haven't mentioned, Jacob, you just say you want to see Omar Salgado crying at the end of the he season is. when we beat them. Omar Salgado is done for the season. He is. Uh, he is. He has suffered a yeah. knee injury when, when, they, when we played them all back on September 26th, and Omar Salgado is out for the season. Um, so they are without... Uh, well, he wasn't their, their leading scorer, but he was one of their more dangerous players. Now, Aaron Gomez is the leading scorer for El Paso this season with five goals. Since Omar Salgado went down with his injury, El Paso has only scored four goals. Now, granted, all four of those did come against Salt Lake. And we, of course, know that Salt Lake is not the Salt Lake of last season. So I don't think there's a whole lot that could be taken from that. Now, Salgado is going to be a huge missing piece for them in this match. But I have to take El Paso over, over FC Tulsa. I have to. I, I think top to bottom, even without Salgado, they're the better club. I think they are a better coached club. And I don't think FC Tulsa has enough weapons to take out um, take out El Paso. When is this match? Uh, these are all on the 10th. And if I'm not mistaken, that one is the same time as ours? Uh, no, it starts a, ha- a half hour after us. Oh, okay. I got a question for you guys about that here as soon as we uh, finish up. Now, well, actually, you know what? Let's go, to, let's go ahead and ask that question. What do you guys think about the scheduling for this? So we have two matches scheduled for 9 o'clock Eastern kickoff on Saturday, the 10th. We've got one for 9.30, one for 10.30, two at 7.30, and two at 7. Do you feel like this is a failure on the part of the USL to spread these matches out and get more eyeballs on them? Or is this good scheduling to make people pick between the matches matchups they want to see? No. It's not good. Um, <laughs> the only thing is, is that if you look at every um, every USL week, they basically have the Western West Coast teams kicking off in like one of three time slots, which you named, which is basically eight eight thirty seven seven thirty whatever you want. So I, it's it's consistent with what they always do. You'd think for the playoffs they would want to spread it out, but. Um, it is what it is. So I, I, I mean, we'll all have the United match on, and then probably as soon as it's over, I'll switch over to the El Paso match, and maybe rewind it depending on how it's going. But um, huge fail, huge fail on my part. And I'm the same way. I feel like if they, if they were to have played it smart, they would have started noon and play their way throughout the afternoon. That way, it gives fans us lazy fans something to do for the afternoon um granted i mean my wife probably wouldn't let me just sit around for seven hours and and watch soccer as much as i would love to do that um she'd probably come up with something crazy and would probably move the house around in another direction (laughs) and by the house i mean the whole trailer um but yeah so it's a it's a huge fail on them they had a perfect opportunity to get more eyes on the usl and it seems like they dropped that ball. Yeah, I mean, my wife works on Saturday, so if, 
matchups had been spread out throughout the day, I could have spent my entire day watching soccer. Um, yeah, which would have been absolutely great. Uh, hmm. I think part of the issue here is that, yes, I have ESPN Plus. I know for a fact you can have ESPN Plus on two different programs, on two different screens at the same time. Beyond that, I don't know. Four? Okay, so, I mean, I guess technically you could watch all of them at once, but, I mean, who has four screens set up all together? Right. Earl, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I could probably arrange my house so that I could do that, but, yeah, it's just it, it's not feasible for anyone to try to do that. I think... I'm with you guys. I, I really think that it would have served the USL better to spread those matchups out throughout the day. And like you said, start at like, you know, maybe like noon, two o'clock, something like that. Eastern time. I mean, it's not like it's the middle of summer. You can play at noon, you know? So I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think USL kind of, kind of fumbled this year. Hopefully with the, with the semifinals, it'll be a little bit better, at least as far as, you know, giving options, as far as, uh, you know, matches available, at least at different time slots, you know, or, Again, like make it a bingeable thing. I mean, an option they could have did is like the NFL playoffs, where they have the NFC on Saturday, AFC on Sunday, and then the next weekend they flip AFC Saturday, NFC Sunday. That, yeah, that's a, that's another good point there. The schedule that everybody was sent out there, they said the playoffs are going to take place between the first well, a four day window for each round. So it was the eighth through the eleventh. Why are you putting them all on the same day? Even if you would split them out to a day. You could have stuck, you know, that that 7 p.m. Eastern time slot, that 9 p.m. Eastern time slot, or something along those lines. That way, you have back-to-back matchups on ESPN Plus, and I would think that's going to get you more overall viewership than stacking all of your matches on top of each other. Well, I can I can almost guarantee that they didn't do Sunday because of football. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't want to to compete with the NFL for viewing and then for the for friday which would be the other logical option option if you're going to split up the days um you also have potentially not potentially what's today the sixth so you have game seven uh or game five of the nba finals that night um so either way you're going to against two of the premier sports in america for viewing um, so you're probably screwed if you put them on either of those days. Anyways, of course you have people like us that would probably watch a, well, definitely would watch a United match over football or basketball. But if we played Saturday and El Paso played Sunday, I don't know if I would skip, you know, a football game to watch El Paso. Um, I might. Um, it just kind of depends on what's what football game and everything like that. But they don't want they don't want that competition. So you put them all on Saturday. You put them in a time slot where there's not a whole lot going on. So I would assume that that's why they did it. Um, they probably could have spread it out a little bit more on Saturday. But what are you gonna do? Yeah, I get that. As a USL supporter, as someone who has a club that's in the playoffs, I definitely would have loved to have seen it spread out. But I, I get all the arguments. Like, I do. Like, it, it makes sense. But at the same time, you know, people watching basketball are not necessarily the same audience who's going to be watching football, watching soccer. That's true. So I, I don't know. I would love to pick the brain of the guy that did that. Even though I think part of what draws me to basketball or to soccer is my basketball fandom because I see 
tactically similarities between the two every once in a while and just like stylistically and how it can be a beautiful game to watch when it's in rhythm and thing good things happen um so i really like the both of them but i understand that most basketball fans are not soccer fans and vice versa as we know, we found out Sunday afternoon with the El Paso win over the Real Salt Lake, Real, I'm sorry, Real Monarchs SLC, that New Mexico United will be traveling, of course, to San Antonio to take on San Antonio FC uh, in the quarterfinals of the playoffs. This match is uh, October 10th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, for those of you that are not good with time conversions. The two clubs have not played yet this year. We did play them twice last year. We beat them at home by a final score of 3-0. They beat us in San Antonio by a final 5-0. Last season was kind of split down the middle. I know the San Antonio match was not a good performance from us last year. However, you guys, we know the club has played a lot better this year uh, in terms of defensive play. I don't think we're going to get a scoreline like that. San Antonio has had a pretty good season. We will give them that. They are coming into this match, however, on a two-match losing streak. Uh, and two, and the, I believe those losses were to uh, one was to uh, Austin. I could be. I have to let me double check their schedule. Yeah, Austin and Austin and Tulsa. Austin and Tulsa. So two playoff contenders there. And then they did also lose earlier in the season to El Paso. So we've talked a lot about how strong these groups are. Is this match a potential trap match for San Antonio? Could New Mexico United be the club that knocks them out? I, I do think we knock them out. I don't know if I would call it a trap match because um, that implies to me that they would be looking past us to whoever they would play in the second round. To me, I why I think that, that we knock them out is current form. Uh, now, we're not on the best current, current form, obviously, but um, we have not lost two matches in a row. Um, we also, I think, are going to be rested for the first time all season, almost. Um, and then if you look at San Antonio's schedule, they have beat the Monarchs, RGV, Austin, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City again, Tulsa, RGV, RGV, Austin, and Oklahoma City. Um, we established that Oklahoma City and RGV were two of the bottom five clubs in the league. Um, they also beat the Monarchs, also another bottom five club in the league so far this year. Um, Tulsa and Austin, middle of the pack teams, and they lost to them recently, as we know. The only thing that they kind of have going for them still is that they have not lost at home. Um, and this match will be over there. So that that could play a little bit of a role. But at the same time, I just... I think they were kind of a product of their group. And they were, they were a good team. They are a good team. I'm not trying to take that away from them. But um, they haven't faced stiff competition like El Paso aside from when they played El Paso and they lost. Um, they haven't played anybody better than El Paso or even close to the same level as El Paso. So we're going to be the next toughest team that they face other than El Paso. 
And I, I think we've we've got more than a chance to knock them off because of that. So I look at it completely different. I know I saw that facial expression. Go figure. Um, <laughs> well, I thought maybe we would lose or something. No, I I do see San Antonio looking at this match as a trap match because of who they beat. I mean, their confidence are probably rolling in still pretty confident, even though coming off two two losses in a row. But they're sitting number one in their group. I mean, that's that's a confident feat in itself. Um, so yeah, so I do see them looking past us as just a roadblock, a speed hump to get to FC Tulsa to avenge their loss, to get to El Paso, um, whichever one it may be. Um, which that's what's I, I have a feeling that's what's going to catch them. They're going to take us lightly. They're going to take United lightly, and. United isn't going to isn't going to sit on that. They're going to come out firing on the fact that San Antonio takes us lightly, especially if you look back at what they did to us last season, 5-0. Um, so, yeah, so that's my take on it is they'll look at us lightly, look at us kind of like the younger brother, as El Paso would call us, and they're going to stub their toe because of it. Now, some things to note about San Antonio this year. They were the fourth highest scoring offense in the Western Conference. They did put in 30 goals. They also had seven clean sheets on the year. So they've got a solid club over there. They play well. They don't give up a lot of goals. They I've been watching a little bit of uh, of the last couple of matches, just trying to get an idea of you know, how they're going to play. And they are fluid enough to where they can go – and play a couple different styles. So United has to be prepared for whatever it is that San Antonio wants to do. I think they are one of the better clubs in the Western Conference. I would definitely put them, you know, say, top four. And again, I, I know that they played in a very weak division. I know that they did. Like RGV, obviously, FC Tulsa, Austin Bold, you know, both were contenders, but neither of them really like challenged for that top spot. And and so I think because of that, I do lean with Earl and that this is a little bit of a trap match for them. They may come into this thinking that they are the better side, but I don't think they've seen anything out of that group like what United can put on the pitch. Now, they're going to want to play the ball into uh, Luis Stolniak, who's their leading goal scorer, eight goals and 15 appearances. And... You know, they brought back Pirano from last year. They brought back, um, sorry, I just lost the other name. I had it on the top of my head. Uh, Matt Cardone is back in goal. So they've got guys who've been in these positions before. Now, you know, San Antonio did miss out on the playoffs last year. They finished in 11th. So right below us in the 2019 standings. So these guys, I have a feeling they're, they're hungry. I think they won it. And they've played well all year long, but again, I think it's it's going to come down. They're going to come into the match. They think they're the better club than we are, but I don't think that they can handle what United is going to play. So we all disagree on how we get to the end result here, but I think we all do agree that United is going to win. Um, I just don't. You said it yourself. They they brought players back from last year. They have a lot of players back from last year. They made some good signings. Um, here and there, but but the the core of their group, if I'm not mistaken, was there last year. And last year they didn't make the playoffs. They started off hot this year. They 
had not lost until that El Paso match. So they won or drew their first 11 matches, and then they've lost three since then. Now, you could argue that they've lost, like the last two could be because they already had the top spot clinched and they had nothing to play for. That's fine. I don't like the idea of coming in on a two-game losing streak. I don't like the idea of losing to the only three teams that you've played that are any kind of competition. So I just don't think they're that good. I wouldn't have them top four at all in the Western Conference. I would have both Sacramento and Reno above them. I would have Phoenix above them. I'd have us above them. I'd have El Paso above them. Now, it depends on what kind of United game or United team that we see coming up this weekend. But I'm going to go first with my score. I'm going to say it's 3-0. I think we we handle them easily. Um, I wouldn't say 3-0. I don't see us getting the clean sheet. Um, I do see us winning. And I see us 4-1. So you guys are blowing the two-goal cap out of the water with this. To be fair, I went over by one goal. <laughs> I'm calling 4-1. Jacob, you've been pretty adamant that we that we're not going to get past this two-goal cap. What is it about San Antonio that makes you think that we can get past it? I've been adamant that we haven't gotten over the two-goal gap or the two-goal cap. I've said the whole time that I feel like an explosion is coming because I feel like our offense is good enough for that to happen, and it just hasn't. Um, and, and I think what happens here is we come out, we punch them in the mouth with two early goals in the first half. Um, and then because it's a do or die match, they got to start pushing and they're going to start pushing and we're going to have Amando or Brucey or somebody with some speed that, uh, is able to get free and get behind the defense Lay one off for Devin, who's trailing. Um, and he's the one that makes it three, probably in like the 75th or 80th minute. Um, I just, I think we come out, and and if we can come out like we have in the past against some of these other teams and jump on that early lead and then tack one on uh, to where we're up 2 nothing, I don't think we give up a two-goal a two goal lead this year, like we did sometimes last year. Um, if you look at all the matches that we've lost or drew, none of them have been two goal leads. Um, every time that we've gone up by two goals, we've held on for a, at least a one goal victory. So I, I think our defense will be playing better. Um, that's what leads to the clean sheet is that, you know, Cody, Cody might have to stand on his head to get the clean sheet, but his form has been impeccable lately, uh, coming off two clean sheets in a row, um, making a couple saves against El Paso. You know, we got lucky in the El Paso match a little bit, them hitting the woodwork, but um, I think with with just enough rest that we don't get rusty and the fact that, you know, the team is seeing all this stuff about San Antonio, San Antonio, San Antonio, and hopefully having Troy back um, fully for the week to prep, having everybody get healthy, everybody on the same page. And I I, I think this is, to some people, it will be the biggest upset. But to me, um, I'm just seeing it as the most lopsided game of, this, of the weekend. 
So here's why I'm calling for the four, the four-one win. United is playing on nine, nine and a half days rest because the starters didn't play the full, the full ninety on the thirtieth. So they're coming in on a nine and a half day rest. Uh, we've never seen them come in on nine, nine and a half days rest with the gel that they have. I mean, you look at the back line, who has become incredible, probably one of the best back lines in the league. I would go that far to say that. You can put the hot take logo right here on top of my name. Um, yeah, so we've never seen them come in on a nine-day rest, and they're going to come in hungry. You're going to see Devin score maybe two. You're going to see Mondo score one. You're going to see... Hell, I'll give it to freaking Brucey to score one. I mean, you're going to see people coming in that you wouldn't have expected to see in, in the hungry part of the of the season. You're going to see Sammy come in and make a difference. You're going to see Salih come in if he doesn't start and make a huge difference in the midfield, I'm sure. Um, yeah, you're going to see different tactics from coach that you're probably not going to be used to seeing. And it's going to throw San Antonio off, and that's why I'm calling that 4-1. Some compelling arguments there, guys. They really are. I don't know if I can go 4-0. I don't know if 3-1 is the right scoreline. How do we block this guy? <laughs> <laughs> but I do. We will, we will win. We absolutely will win this match. Uh, like I said, we do things that other clubs can't can't handle i mean we we're, we're two years in now we've been pressing nearly every single match for a, a large for a large part of it and clubs still have not fully adapted to that now we have seen times where they do handle it better than others but with everyone healthy with you know if you've got dev uh you know who should be pretty well rested i mean he played what 20 minutes the other night something like that 20 minutes, give or take, in, in the final regular season match. And then basically, you know, nine, 10 days off with nothing at all going on. You've got, you know, Kaylin Ryden, who's played every single minute, getting 10 days rest. Um, we're going to have guys flying off the ball. You know, I think we can all, I think we all agree, Beast has kind of looked a little bit off the last match or two. But again, I think it's one of those things where it comes down, you know, he's going to have fresh legs. I think yeah, I said we're going to be flying. We're going to be running all over the pitch. We're going to be uh, we're going to have quick ball movement. We're going to be playing the ball over the top. We're going to move it around the opponent's box. We're going to be pressing uh, from the opening whistle. We're going to we're going to see a mistake out of the San Antonio back line. That's going to surrender a goal to us. But I think San Antonio is going to have a, a few like really good opportunities. Not necessarily up the middle, but I think they're going to get in, um, you know, in the in the open space in between, like say, uh, uh, Rashid and Kalen, like over like a, the you know the left uh, the left center channel, basically, maybe coming through there, a shot from the top of the box, something like that, is where they're going to get their opportunities, because we're gonna you know we're gonna see something from Troy that's going to basically take that three four three. And it's going to mix it up. I think what's going to happen is, you know, you, you may see Josh play more of like a, a left, true left back role than we've seen him play all season long. Um, so I think it's going to be three two. I think it'll be three two to us. 
San Antonio is going to get some chances, but I think we're going to cause a lot of problems for them. I wouldn't put him past him to score some. I, I wouldn't put him past him to win. Um, because one thing we haven't seen United do is perform in the playoffs. But um, just looking at San Antonio's stats and and games and everything like that, I just I'm not impressed. I watched, I went back and watched their last meaningful match, which was against Austin before before they officially clinched, and I still wasn't. They won. Uh, but I just, I wasn't impressed. I don't know why. Um, and one thing that I, I, I don't know this for sure because I need more stats. USL, if you listen to this, I need more stats. I need goals scored off set pieces. I need miles ran by each player. I need, I need everything. And I need it at the tip of a finger, not where I have to dig through all kinds of stuff to find it. He also wants how many breaths the player takes each, each run. Yeah, that'd be great. I would love that. I would love uh, body fat. Um, just give me it all. Give me it all. Give me numbers. I love numbers. And So I couldn't officially find it. But if you look at their scoring breakdown, they've scored 30 goals. Only four of those were headers. Um, now, I understand that off of set pieces, um, you're not just going to score with your head. You're going to score with your feet as well. Uh, I understand that. But I also don't remember them in any of the matches of theirs that I've watched them looking super dangerous on set pieces, which has always been one of my fears going up against good set piece teams with this defense. And I don't think they have a good set piece offense. So I'm automatically not as worried about them there. The, the, the break is the only thing that really worries me. There is, is if they do happen to play a ball over the top of that press and get behind us while we're still pushed up really high, or if they, if we do, if we do get behind, um, for some reason, and we have to press forward and try to score, they could hit us on the counter, because I know uh, a couple of their frontline players are, are really quick and and have a lot of talent up there. So, but at the end of the day, I just I see it being us against El Paso uh, in the semis, and in a perfect world, I would love to see us go beat San Antonio, beat El Paso, beat Phoenix, win the championship against whoever. Um, just so we can say that we knocked both of our, our rivals out of the playoffs. Whether that happens or not, whether Phoenix can get past Sacramento or Reno or whatever, we'll have to see. But I would I would love to see Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals as well. I would also love to see Phoenix get hit by a meteor, but... <laughs> My cousin does live in Phoenix. He's not a rising fan. We'll move him out first. Okay. All right. All right. Well, let me ask you guys this. You know, we're coming to the up to the end towards the end of our show here. Um, looking at the playoff field as it is currently, which conference do you feel has the stronger has the stronger field of clubs? Well, we've mentioned it before. Uh, the better half is obviously the Western Conference, um, but I would honestly say they're almost equal. They're just about equal, being that they both play, both conferences play different styles of, of ball. I mean, the Eastern Conference, they don't, they're not the run and gun and score all the freaking goals in the world type teams. They're the sit back on the ball and wear each other out type. Whereas the the Western Conference is, we got to score a thousand goals in 10 seconds and hopefully it's enough. I think if you're looking at it 
as which conference has the most teams that I see could win the championship. I think it's the Western Conference by a team or two. Because um, I, I see the Western Conference with four uh, teams that that I could see win it. Maybe and make that five. Um, I could see Reno. I could see Phoenix. I could see Sacramento. I could see us and I could see El Paso. Um, and in the Eastern Conference, I could see Louisville or Pittsburgh, but they're going to knock each other out in the first round. Um, and then I could see Tampa Bay. And and that's basically the only three that I could see winning the title coming out of the East. And two of them will play in the first round. So next weekend, no matter what happens, there'll only be two teams that I see that can come out of the East. Um, so I think I think top to bottom, it's the Western Conference. I think if you just look at top tier talent, even though the Western Conference has Reno, who had the most points in the league, I think whoever comes out of the Loose City Riverhounds match is probably going to be the favorite to win, um, at least in my eyes. But we just have more clubs that I think are capable of winning than they do. So I was doing some like quick math just to kind of see like how the playoff qualifying clubs did from the East and West conferences in terms of you know matches and things like that. If I, as long as my math is correct, the Western Conference playoff qualifying teams earned themselves two hundred and forty four points this season. The Eastern Conference clubs earned two hundred and forty five points. So. I, your your playoff qualifying clubs are obviously you know, very good on both sides. Uh, they, in all likelihood, are the best of the conferences. Now, I think you could make an argument for some clubs that probably should not be in the playoffs. Los Dos, um, who, like, I said, like we said earlier, got in, it's kind of squeaked in because of uh, just because of the way that uh, San Diego Loyal handled their season. Um, and you know, looking at the Eastern Conference, I mean, anyone in Group E basically could have made it at, at any given point. Uh, I mean, even SKC was in it for a long time. So, um, honestly, yeah, it's looking at the matchups. Like, I feel like Loose City, and I mean, yeah, Loose City, Hartford, Pittsburgh um, are probably the ones, and maybe Tampa are probably the ones that could probably go the farthest out of the East. So that's what four clubs there. Um, when, in, yeah, in the West, you've got, you know, five, six clubs that could potentially make the finals. So yeah, I, I, I think the Western conference is, uh, the better of the two sides as well. Yeah. I think that, um, if I'm not mistaken, historically, the East has won the title more times, quite a few more times than the West, if I'm not mistaken, but, um, this league has changed so much so quickly um, that that I think you can kind of take the historical markers and and throw them out for the most part. So because of that, anybody can win this thing. I and then I would I would have liked to have seen um, you know, a couple legs instead of just a single one-off match um for the Western Conference playoffs. Not just this year, but all the time. Even though I know that um, it's very hard to do, but with this with this one-off format, you know, you have a bad night or you have a really hot night or a really hot week or a month. I mean, um, it could see you go all the way. Like look at the Monarchs last year. Nobody thought they were going to win it going into the playoffs. Um, and then they got hot and played good defense and got some timely goals and voila, 
they're the USL championship or USL cup champions. So uh, I love the playoffs. I love all playoffs. I'm excited for one and dones and, you know, some drama here and there. So we'll see, we'll see how it all plays out. But I, I like the way it sets up for New Mexico to play in San Antonio and then either in Tulsa or in El Paso. Um, I, I don't like playing in El Paso for a fifth time, but we're obviously not scared to play in El Paso. So, and we, it's something somewhere where we've been several times. We're comfortable there. See us easily coming out of that matchup. And then the only one in that, that worries me is, is coming out of that other side with it's, whether it's Reno or Phoenix or Sacramento. Um, that's going to be a tough game, no matter who it is over there. Yeah, so just to give one stat real quick, you mentioned uh, the Eastern Conference having won most of the USL uh, Championship Cups, and since 2011, the which is when the USL Championship became the USL Championship, the Eastern Conference has won all but two of the Cup titles. So, stole my thunder. It would be good. <laughs> Sorry about that. It would be good to uh, bring one home for the Western Conference. So, and I think we could. You know, we had the Monarchs win it last year. I think whoever comes out of the West this year will win it. Um, so it, we could start to see a pendulum swing back the other way where the Western Conference kind of goes on a big run here um, and, and gets some of the titles back and and makes it a little more even historically. And, and that could just be my Western Conference bias coming through there. But um, I've watched Eastern, Eastern Conference games. I have. I've, I wanted to to be up on that as much as I could, even though we don't really talk about it. I, I just enjoy watching different kinds of soccer and I just don't see the quality over there that I do over here. And that could just be my limited knowledge of soccer. But I, I think we're, I think we'll be, we'll be in good shape. The Western conference will be in good shape for several years to come. So, yeah, so I agree with you on that. Um, the only way though, that the Western conference will stay good is if the Western conference stars, stay in the Western Conference, obviously. So the stars I'm talking about is Armando Moreno, the Chris Weehans, Devin Sandoval, Solomon Asantes, um, the Ben Burys. If those core Western Conference players stay in the Western Conference, then yeah, I could definitely see the tie change to being a Western Conference league to where... Everyone wants to come to the Western Conference to play with these stars. Well, I think I think the Eastern Conference has quality players over there as well. We just don't know of them as much because we're not watching those matches and, and following those teams as closely. But I do agree that obviously just just like in the NBA, you know, the the Eastern Conference kept losing stars to the Western Conference. And if that happens in soccer or any other sport, then then it's going to lead to one league or one conference having a monopoly over the other one. So I, I don't know. I can't speak for the stars on the other side. I know that there's – I know Lou City has a lot of talented people on their team. Um, Pittsburgh has got a lot of talent. So who knows? We don't really know. We're just three guys on a podcast um, talking about stuff that we think we know, but of course we don't really know. And go all existential crisis on you guys. What is life? What is life? And what is what are we doing? What are we doing here? No, I'm just kidding. That's um, for another podcast. Yeah, exactly. 
guys, I, I honestly can't wait for December um, when all this is over and we're celebrating a championship. And then we can really dive into the bee cast and really just get into the nitty gritty of, of beekeeping and, um, and making some honey. I'm going to love that. I'm going to love that so much. See, I can't wait till December because that's when Christmas music comes out. And then it's socially acceptable to drink eggnog. Wait, I've already heard Christmas music. I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, this Christmas music nonsense needs to stop in October. Well, I walked into socially... City Hall the other day. No, it's not acceptable. It's socially not acceptable, acceptable in December. It's not acceptable in October. After Thanksgiving. I'll give them the day after Thanksgiving. Fine. But... I already have my Christmas tree up. Earl, what are you doing? <laughs> I'll be back. I did you just take never it take it? You, did you never take it down from the first time? Exactly. From last year? That's exactly. It? Okay. That's fair, I guess. My Christmas lights have been up for the past five years. See, lights, I understand. Trees, I don't know, man. You can them all year round. <laughs> Do you have a St. Patrick's Day tree? I, no, I didn't decorate it for St. Patrick's Day. Well, you said you could decorate it year round. You got well, yeah, to hit all the holidays. You can, but you realize I'm lazy, right? Well, yeah, that's why it's that's why it's still up. That's why it still has Christmas decorations up. Ah, <laughs> uh, Earl, I think it's I think it's past your bedtime, Earl. <laughs> I'm just kidding. For the record, my Christmas tree was taken down December 26th. See, that's too soon. It's too soon. You gotta leave it up till New Year's. Uh, my mom leaves it up till like February 15th or something. That's too late. Yeah, right. that's too long. Yeah. We're getting off on a tangent, guys. I think we're all tired. Um, final thoughts on the playoffs in general, the United match, um, anything on topic? On topic, I have New Mexico winning. Um, it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be 4-1 win. You heard it here first. Um, and Phoenix sucks. <laughs> um, just, just be ready for Saturday. Playoffs. Playoff football is here. Sit down. Cheer for United. Obviously, we can't be there. I don't. I, as far as I know, San Antonio is not allowing uh, fans. I could be wrong on that, but if you are, if you do travel, please be safe. Please take your precautions. But if you're not, get on ESPN Plus. Get on ESPN Radio One One Seven. The team and support the guys that cover the club. Yeah, that uh, that's a good way of putting it, Earl. I love the fact that you printed out. Um, that picture probably specifically for me and Seth here and the Twitch audience to see it. And uh, that's true dedication and um, I love every minute of it. So thank you for that. Uh, for those of you that don't know what the picture was that are just listening to the podcast form, Earl printed out a picture of Jim Mora saying playoffs um, from when he coached the Indianapolis Colts years ago. Um, and it's great. I love it. Love it so much. I've heard that so many times the last week, though, since we've started the playoffs. Um, my final thoughts, guys, are, are um, we're almost to the end of a long season. That um, Granted, number of games-wise, it was only 16, but uh, it's it started way back in March, you know, seven months ago, uh, almost to the day. And a lot has happened since then, and, you know, a lot is, is still going to happen in the next month, both soccer-wise and um, coming up in November with the election. So um, focus on soccer. Focus on your vote. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I'm just going to tell you to make sure to vote. And 
everybody needs to watch this match. Everybody needs to be rooting for New Mexico United. Let's will them through our TV screams to a victory so that we can get another match with El Paso or Tulsa or whoever. And um, just keep our heads up. Keep trucking along. Love each other. Treat each other well. And uh, let's get through all this stuff that's going on in the world. And let's hope that soccer can can help us get through it um, and bring us together like New Mexico United's namesake uh, says, you know, we, we want to unite people, not drive people away. So uh, until next week, uh, next Tuesday, same time, same place, we'll be here. You can catch us on social media between now and then. Uh, Earl runs the Facebook page. I run the Twitter for Somos News News. Seth has his own Twitter and does the Suncast Twitter. You can email me and Seth, Seth at Jad, Seth or Jacob at dadventuresmedia.com. Reach us out to us on our personal social medias, um, all that jazz, you know, and make sure to watch the match and make sure to vote. And other than that, guys, we'll see you next week and some news. Awesome you can also call Jacob at 505. <laughs> I actually don't have his number uh, memorized, but that's well, it. Well, that's good. It'd be creepy if you did. You've been listening to Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News. All of our shows are recorded live from Albuquerque and Los Lunas, New Mexico, are written and produced by Seth Bidoff and Jacob Terrell, and are edited by Seth. Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using Clean Feed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast. 